Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. We're in the middle of a series called This Is My Year. There's something about a new year when the calendar turns the page, about January, about the hope, the unknown, the excitement that a new year has, the anticipation of what lies ahead. To be honest, 2022 really just needed to kind of come in, sit down, and shut up. You know what I'm saying? Because it wouldn't be hard to be better than the last couple of years, but we've lost Betty White, Bob Saget, and Ralph Emery. We're not off to a good start, you know what I'm saying? So, And it feels like because of the past two years, the whole pandemic, everything has just at times been on pause. You've done this. You know people who've done this. COVID is a good excuse. Oh, you know, the Rona. You know, we didn't get that finished because of the COVID. You know, there's supply shortages because of the COVID. Now, I saw this. It's interesting. Like, we have supply shortages like toilet paper, but they certainly had all the Valentine's candy out in time. You know what I'm saying? You do the math on that. You know, we couldn't meet because of COVID. We had to cancel. We had to postpone because of the, the COVID. And after two years of uncertainty, that starts to feel a little defeating, starts to get a little bit stressful, gets a little bit frustrating at time. I mean, there's even been some depression associated with that. COVID compassion fatigue is actually a thing. They're writing articles and teaching seminars. I think about this. Two years ago, if somebody had COVID, you kind of paused and went, now somebody's got COVID and you're like, oh, you know, I mean, not to, not to make that insincere, but that we've been two years of just wrestling and dealing with this and it's led to, to burnout and just kind of I can buy into this defeatist mentality, like, oh, why? yesterday, I mean, worship team up here, I'm glad for everybody, it was just kind of a mass unit because we had people that were dropping because of quarantines and all these other things, and, and you can just get into this mentality of why bother, and the point of this series is this is my year, regardless of what happens with COVID, I've got to make the decision to move on, that this is going to be my year. Like, I can't control the circumstances that happen to me, but I can respond. I can control how I respond. Amen? I got to move forward. This is my year. You guys ready for this today? Okay, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels because their synopsis, their story runs very parallel. John's gospel is a little bit unique. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story about Jesus riding a colt that no one has been on into Jerusalem the week before he would be put on trial and face crucifixion. We, in Christianity, we call that Palm Sunday. Like, even churches will celebrate that as part of kicking off Holy Week. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, they tell the story about Jesus riding the colt in Jerusalem. Matthew gives one unique little detail that Mark and Luke don't include. Matthew does a little bit of homework for you. And so if you've got your Bible, I'm going to open up to Matthew 21. If you don't have it, don't worry, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 21, I'm going to read just a handful of verses here. It says, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the mountain of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them ahead. He said, go into the village over there, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt. Untie them, bring them to me, and if anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it. And, and he will immediately let you take it. Verse four. 
This took place to fill the prophecy that said, and this is where Matthew does some homework that Mark and Luke don't include. And Matthew quotes a verse out of Zechariah chapter 9. It's actually verse 9 that was written 500 years before Jesus came along. And Matthew quotes that Old Testament prophecy, says, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. So the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. Verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw garments over the colt, and Jesus sat on it. Now Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he's writing this, he really does three things. I didn't realize how important the donkey story was. I, I really, I, I hadn't. And he does three things. I want to kind of, you're taking notes, top of the outline, I want to give you the three things he does here, and then we'll jump into kind of the meat of what we're after. This is about Jesus fulfilling prophecy. That's why Matthew does some homework for you. That's why Matthew goes and grabs Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. And it's one of those many, many, many moments where Jesus would fulfill prophecy from the Old Testament. This was here to prove that Jesus really was the long-awaited Messiah that they had been waiting for for generations. This would be one of those moments where the Old Testament was pregnant with the promise Messiah, okay? And this would prove to a doubting generation that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. That's one of the things that Matthew is doing here is that this moment is about a promise, about a prophecy, okay? This moment was about Jesus prophesying that, hey, I'm the one you're looking for, okay? And then he's actually miraculously kind of providing for that promise, so imagine you're one of the two disciples, all right? Jesus said, listen, I need you two to go into the village and, and go get a donkey. Like, I don't know about you, but it kind of feels like you're stealing, at least highly borrowing, that donkey and the colt that are tied up there. Did Jesus arrange this beforehand? Is that guy going to beat me up? You know what I'm saying? Did Jesus sneak off in the middle of the night when nobody was looking? Did he pay some guy to make sure the donkey was there? You don't know anything other than Jesus said, go into that village over there ahead of you and go get the donkey and it's cold. And the second thing that Matthew's showing is that not only is Jesus fulfilling prophecy, but he's also providing for a moment. There's provision here. Jesus is bringing provision for the promise. But there's a third thing that Matthew is doing in this story. I, I didn't realize the donkey was that big of a deal. Apparently it's a big deal. The story is also about Jesus saying to his disciples, I know you haven't seen it. I know you don't know anything about the donkey. But 500 years ago, a prophet named Zacharias said, the one you're waiting for, the promised Messiah, the one you're looking for, will be riding on a colt. And by the way, no one's ever ridden on that colt before. That's how you're going to know he's the Messiah. This is about Jesus saying to the disciples, the donkey not just going to show up. The donkey's not just all of a sudden going to come to you. You have to go get it, okay? Look at your neighbor this morning and say, go get it. Go get it. The story is about a promise. The story is about Jesus and provision, but it's also about procurement. The only reason I'm using that word is because it begins with the letter P, right? My mom, when she worked back years ago, she worked for PSO, AEP, Central Southwest. She worked in procurement. What's procurement, mama? 
And she would say, listen, I'm the one that gets this stuff. She's like, I have the power to get this stuff. I'm the one that purchased the poles so they can put up the new power line. I have the power to buy the equipment so the teams can get the job done. I'm the one that has the power so we can go get it. Somewhere in Christianity, the idea crept down. I'm not saying in your version or your journey or whatever, but, but somewhere in Christianity, this idea has crept into that if I just give my life to Jesus, or if I just pray enough, or if I'm, I just behave good enough, then the promise is going to come to me. The blessing is going to come to me. The good things are just going to come to me. I was thumbing through Twitter this past week, and there was a slick preacher on there, and this is what he tweeted. He said, may your bank account explode with more money than you can spend. Whoa, Holy Ghost, hit me with that. Come on, somebody. But it don't work like that. Not in my life. And when I look at this story, in Jesus preparing to ride a colt into Jerusalem, the colt didn't just show up. They had to go get it. You connect the dots with what I'm saying this morning about 2022. If this is going to be the year, regardless of what COVID does, regardless of what happens to me, if this is going to be the year, I got to go get it. COVID can't be an excuse anymore. I got to go get it. If this is my year, it's not just going to explode in my bank account. It's not just going to show up. It's not just going to happen. I got to go get it. Verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples. He said to them, go. I want to be three words we're going to look at in this passage today that I think are a key to unlocking the power of go get it today. The first word I want you to look at is the word disciple. It means I'm a learner, I'm a, I'm a follower. At the root of the word discipline is the word disciple. That's the first word. If I'm going to go get it, I got to have discipline. For every promise, for every blessing, there has to be discipline to manage it. There, if there's going to be a divine prophecy, like in this story, there may be a promise, but our human responsibility has to go get it. Discipline says I'm going to put my feelings aside and still find the ability to go get it. Discipline says I'm going to push my distractions aside and still go get it. If you are going to fulfill the purpose and the promise of God for your life, you have to have some discipline. you got to have discipline to stay in the game you got to have discipline to go get it. Even when it's still hard, you got to get up and go get it. Even when it hurts, you got to get up and go get it. And that's not called faking it. That's just called discipline, called adulting. If you want to make it to your fourth or 40th wedding anniversary, you're going to have to have some discipline. If you want to have a long, successful career or job, if you want to make it to that 35th job anniversary, you're going to have to have some discipline. You will not find success without discipline. I've been doing this a lot lately. My name's Brent Kellogg. My initials are BK. Everybody say it with me. I love BK. My fear is we have raised a generation without discipline. 
I have never once, Landon's 18, Kaylee's 14, I've never once cooked hominy for my kids. You know what hominy is? You know what hominy is? These young kids are like, like the town? Like, you got to be careful over here on West Side, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't cooked hominy because they wouldn't eat it. I mean, we, 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 we kind of arrange our meals around what the babies will eat, you know? Not going to lie, I'm a grown man. I can eat mac and cheese. I'd just rather have some meatloaf. Can I get an amen? I like sauerkraut. The kids ain't eating sauerkraut. I like Salisbury steak. Come on, somebody. Sometimes I don't want chicken nuggies. I want a good pot roast, pot of beans. I can make Mickey Mouse pancakes, but I'd rather have some biscuits and gravy up in this house. It's out of grits. I don't know why. Every time we're like in 21 days of fasting, I always use food illustrations. I've got to stop. This is the third week in a row that I've done that. Get behind me, Satan. Listen, when I was a kid, we had hominy, and Mama didn't even ask. I, matter of fact, I would think about it. I don't ever, I don't really ever recall being asked as a kid, what do y'all want for dinner? You want some chicken nuggies? No, it just showed up, and I ate it. Now, my mama's a good cook. Listen, this, this, isn't, this isn't about the mac and cheese. This isn't about the chicken nuggies. This is not about food. This is about discipline. Luke 12, 48 says, For everyone to whom much is given, much is required. If, if there's going to be a promise, if there's going to be a blessing, I've got to have discipline to manage the blessing. If God's going to give me something, I've got to have the discipline to, ha to handle it. To whom much has been committed, they will be asked for more. If you're going to be trusted with the promised donkey, you better have the discipline. With every blessing, there is a discipline that is required to manage it. Do not spend 2022 waiting for something to just explode in your bank account. Don't spend the year just, just praying and praying and looking. Go get it. Tell your neighbor, go get it. Okay, well, this side's doing good. You guys are awake over here. What are we doing, Rick? You all right? All right, he's good. All right, verse 1. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village over there ahead of you. Next word, in unlocking the power of go get it. The first one was discipline. The second one is direction. Jesus knew exactly where to send the disciples. We don't know what two disciples. We don't know. Let's just say it was Bartholomew and Thaddeus. Like, they're the least mentioned. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus knew where the donkey was, but Peter didn't even know there was a donkey. John had no clue where the donkey was. Judas was the donkey, but that's a whole different story, right? Like, and let's just say, for example, Bart and Thad, like, they could have asked everybody under the sun, Peter, do you know where the donkey is? I don't even know what donkey you're talking about. John, do you know where the donkey is? No, no, no. Only Jesus knew where they needed to go, and he knew exactly where to send them to get the donkey. You see where I'm going with this? If 2022 is going to be your year, you have got to stop listening to people. You've got to stop listening to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You've got to turn the news off, and you've got to start getting your direction from God. Stop asking everyone else and start asking the Father. I am the youngest of five grandchildren on the Kellogg side. 
Therefore, I have always been at a disadvantage from size to strength to knowledge of what certain words mean, but that's a different thing we don't talk about, all right? But being a country boy, country people, um, we have a whole nother vernacular way of talking, all right? We, we, we communicate in a whole different way, all right? My kids tell me that when I go to Daisy, I talk different. And I'm like, that's because it's part of the just atmosphere of Daisy. You just have to talk different, okay? So my grandparents had a ranch down at Daisy, lots of roads, lots of fences. And being the youngest grandchild, I didn't always know where the stuff was, all right? So I'm just gonna give you an example of how you might get directions if you were on the Kellogg Ranch at Daisy, all right? All right, now, once you drop off the ridge, you're gonna go across the little divide, and then you're gonna go past the mule pen. By the way, there's no mule pen there. There is a 10-foot stretch of fence out in the woods that you don't see unless you're looking for it, all right? You're gonna go down there by the old log pile. There has not been logs there for over 30 years, but there is a place called the old log pile on our place, and there are no logs. You're gonna go down there by the Hayes place. There has not been anyone named Hayes live there for over 100 years. They're right there by the cotton gin. Okay, all there is is there's a cement slab in the pasture with four bolts. There's no gin. There's nothing there but the cotton gin. And then that'll put you right there at Liebert. Liebert is the neighbor. All right. I literally just gave you daisy directions on how you get from our hunting cabin all the way down to the county road by Liebert. All right. I was lost a lot as a kid. I just was. Like even in my early teen years, Hayes, who are the Hayes? And why are they on our place? You know? And they wouldn't explain it to you. Hmm. You just had it figured out. And if you dared ask a question, this is how the elders would respond to you. Oh, bull, you know what I'm talking about. Run over there across the bottom. Like, what's on my bottom? I don't even know what. You had to know how to speak the language. Any country people in here know what I'm talking about? You got to be familiar with the phrasing. When you're in the atmosphere of daisy, <laughs> you got to know how to communicate. Listen, as Christians, we have got to get into the spiritual atmosphere to get spiritual direction. Meaning, you're not going to get what you need on Facebook. You got to get up in the Father's house. You're not going to get what you need on the nightly news. You better get on your knees. You will find what you're looking for in a posture of 21 days of prayer and fasting. You got to be willing to go get direction from the Father. And so those of you with us today, we, we begin every year with a season of 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. We push away from something. A lot of us do a, a very simple Daniel fast, just no sweets and no meats. It's not a diet. This is not about the food. If you think fasting is about the food, you've missed the point. Much like a city boy would have no idea where the little divide was, the log pile, or how you get across the bottom. Fasting is not about changing how you look. It's about changing how you see with eyes of faith. Come on, somebody, say amen. And if what I've been doing is landing me where I am, stuck, frustrated, burnout. I don't want to stay where I am. And if I want this to be my year, I've got to be willing to go the extra mile to get direction from the Father.
I got to get myself in a spiritual atmosphere so I can hear the voice of God. I don't want 2022 to be a wild donkey chase. I'm tired of knocking on empty doors. I'm tired of going to the wrong village looking for somebody else's donkey. I want to get direction from the Father. Jesus said, you better go to the village over there ahead of you. Amen? Verse 2, he said, go into the village over there. And as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them, bring them to me. Verse 3, if anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord. I'm glad y'all came today. Thanks. For, I mean, I don't need to say anything else. That verse right there should say, if somebody says, what are you doing? You simply say the Lord. Number one, you're going to have to have discipline if you're going to go get it. I've got to get direction from the Father. But number three, I've got to have determination. I'm going to send you to the village ahead of you, and somebody might try to stop you. And if somebody tries to stop you, you just tell them the Lord. You just tell them the Lord sent me. Listen, there are things that God has waiting for you that nobody else can take. There are promises that God has just for you that nobody else can untie. There are things that God has just for you. Nobody else can take your donkey. It's waiting on you. There are doors that God has open for you that nobody else can walk through them. They are waiting for you. There are people that you're going to meet. There's people you're going to date. No one's going to beat you to them. God's holding them just for you. There's jobs you're going to get. And that if that's the job that God has for you, it's going to be tied up waiting just for you. You think somebody got your job. You mad because somebody got your pro promotion. Nope, that one wasn't for you. There are opportunities that God has tied up that are waiting for you. And when people try to stop you from taking your donkey, you just tell them the Lord sent me. Determination. This is the Lord's donkey. And he's had it here waiting for me. And I'm here to get this donkey because the Lord sent me. In 1983, someone in Australia had the great idea of let's have not just a marathon, but an ultra-marathon. Someday, someday. No, sorry, I won't go in a monster truck, right? Okay. So in 1983, they had an ultra-marathon, and it was like 546 miles, and you ran from Sydney to Melbourne, okay? So there was just a handful of professional runners that showed up to compete, and one of them was a little bit older guy that showed up, and he, and he wasn't like the rest of them, okay? He didn't have shorts on. He had pants on. He Actually, the first day he showed up in rubber boots, <laughs> right? He didn't have tank top on. He was actually dressed like a sheep herder because that's what he was, was a sheep herder. And um, he took out his false teeth before the race because he later would go on to say that his false teeth rattled when he ran. And so he was kind of funny to run, to watch run as well because he didn't really run like the other runners. He just kind of shuffled his feet as he, as he went along. And on the first day, they all took off, and he fell considerably behind because of his running pace and the funny shuffle, and, and he didn't have all the fancy stuff on, and he was in his rubber boots, and no one took him serious on the first day, but they let him enter. And the trained runners were on pace and monitoring all this and so on and so forth, and, and they would typically run for 18 hours, and then they would stop and rest and sleep for six hours, and then they would just get up and, and get back at it, but he didn't even know what the training rules were. He didn't, he, like, he didn't know that was a thing. And so the first day after 18 hours, they stopped. And 
He just kept running. The first day he ran for 21 hours and then only slept for three. Well, the second day of the race, the other racers wake up and they're getting ready to start their day to discover there's a new leader. There's a 61-year-old toothless sheep herder named Cliff Young. Apparently, Cliff changed the game. His funny style of running apparently didn't utilize as much energy as their bigger strides, and it's what's actually become known as the Young Shuffle. Cliff would go on to win the ultra marathon, and he would break the record by two days. He didn't win because of his clothes. <laughs> he didn't win because of his training. He didn't win because of his experience in running in marathons. Matter of fact, the reporter asked him, like, how'd you do it? Like, how'd, how'd you win? And he said, I just didn't stop. I just kept running. As a sheep herder, he built up his endurance chasing sheep all up on the side of mountains, in the mud, in the cold, in the rain, in the hot. He was disciplined to just chase the sheep. And so when it came time for him to run the ultra marathon, he just did what he'd always done. During the marathon, he would get tired and get fatigued. And he said, I just imagined I was chasing sheep. And he just kept doing what he'd always done. Maybe some of you today, as I tell this story, you're one of the two disciples. That God has sent you after a promise that you've never seen. It feels weird. You don't understand why you had to be the person to go get the donkey. And it's going to take discipline, and it's going to take direction, and it's going to take determination. But I believe today, God would remind you, ain't nobody going to get your donkey that he's got waiting for you. When you're ready, when your time is right, when you get to where you're supposed to be going, your promised donkey is going to be waiting for you. So maybe some of you today, you are the disciple. And maybe some of you today feel like the donkey. And you feel like you got a rope tied around your neck. And you're bored. And you don't understand why you have to just sit here all day long just waiting and waiting and waiting. And you feel stuck while all the other donkeys get to go do the cool stuff. They get to go on cool road trips to Bethlehem. And you're just sitting here. And you're just tied up and you're waiting. And my friends, this is the year God wants to set you free. 2022 is your time to shine. It's your parade of destiny that is waiting just for you. What was it Matthew said when you quoted Jeremiah or Zechariah 9 9? Was it like 500 years? This promise didn't make any sense. For 500 years, nobody understood Zechariah 9.9. And all in one moment, when two disciples come back with a donkey and her coat, all of a sudden, all of that waiting, all of those ropes around its neck, all of that boredom just sitting there, tied, feeling stuck, all of a sudden, in one moment, that all came together. It is about to be your moment. All of history has been waiting on. In a moment, it's all going to make sense to you when God says, it's your time to shine. All of the waiting, all of the ropes, why you've been tied up so long, why you've been on hold, why you've just been standing there, why you've been stuck, it's all about to make sense. 
God is going to untie and he is going to unlock your greatest journey. I want you to go get it. Rona, you've had your day, but you can't stop me. This is my year, and I'm going to go get it. Amen, everybody. God, we just come before you this morning, and there's some of us in here that maybe feel like the donkey that we feel stuck. Maybe there's some of us in here, Lord, we feel like the disciple. When, why do we have to be the one? Why do I? Why do I? And Lord, the 2022 is going to be the year that we're going to get unstuck. 2022 is going to be the year the promise we've been waiting on is going to come Father, today I pray your word would set somebody's heart free today. I pray today your word would set somebody's dream free. Let their destiny be set free on the inside. I wonder if you are here today and you're not in the right relationship with God. It, it, it's cool to talk about donkeys and, and disciples, but you've got something bigger going on. There's this absence in your life. There's something in your heart. There's this hole that's missing, and you're sitting right here today, and you would acknowledge, I know that I am not in right relationship with Jesus Christ. I believe God brought you here today. I don't want to leave this moment until we do business with God. Here is the gospel, plain, pure, and simple, that all of us have messed up and made mistakes. While I was lost in that sin, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. And without the shedding of blood, there'll be no forgiveness of sin. Bible says that if I would confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead, then I will be saved. Here's what I want to do. I'm not going to embarrass you, ask you to walk the aisle, talk to anybody this morning. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer where you know that you can do business with God. Right there at your seat, if you know you're not in the right relationship with God, just pray this prayer with me. I'm going to say a few words. I'm going to pause, and I want you just to whisper this prayer right there where you're at. You ready? If that's you today, pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, right there at your seat, just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I need you. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. Would you come into my life, begin to change me? Would you make me a new person? Would you save me? I may not understand all of this, but today, I'm taking a step of faith. Jesus, I completely surrender my whole life to you. Never head still bowed, never eyes still closed, nobody moving around, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer with me word for word, I'm not gonna embarrass you. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to stand up. I just wanna pray for you real quick. Would you just slip up your hand real high? Anybody here today? Slip it up real high. Don't miss this moment. Okay. See that. Best decision you'll ever make. Anybody else? Slip it up real high. God, you see the hands and hearts this morning. Coming home. Doing business with Jesus. Father, I pray you just fill them with your Holy Spirit. The Bible says when we're saved, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray you just fill them with your power. Lord, bring people around them to help them take that next step. God, it took me years to understand just how much you love me and what salvation means. God, I pray you just help them to walk and take their next step of, of salvation and growth. We're going to love being a part of a church, willing on a snowy Sunday to get together so we can celebrate you. Father, also, we want to do everything we can short of sin to see people come to know God. 
It's in the beautiful, matchless name of Jesus we pray. And everybody says, come on, give Jesus the biggest praise you got this morning. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.